And so uh, here we are. We're in uh, Luke chapter number four tonight. Tonight is faith healing. Faith healing. So we're going to look at, uh, so do people in our day really have the power to heal people? Is there something wrong if you as a Christian cannot heal someone? If you were a better Christian and filled with his spirit totally, could you heal somebody? Uh, is, that, is that over? Is that for our day? Uh, what about people who claim to do it today? So we're going to examine this. Um, in many of the charismatic uh, movements today, anytime you question something they say the Holy Spirit did, they try to make you fear, feel, uh, feel fearful and say, you're blaspheming the Holy Ghost. You have just questioned if he healed this person. So you're, you're, you're blaspheming. Be careful. And so it's almost this spookiness. But the Bible says examine the scriptures. Uh, they studied the scriptures. Uh, this book, it can always be examined and looked at. You want to make sure things are scriptural, not a feeling. What does the Bible say? So let's look at Jesus' life's verse, if you will. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18. He is just beginning his ministry. He, this is the first time publicly he opens a Bible. He's in the synagogue and of course, hey, aren't you glad we don't have scrolls anymore? Can you imagine? Open your scroll, and man, you're rolling it. How far, Margaret? Well, about three feet into it. It's just, I'm glad we have pages, and they're numbered. And uh, some of you have these little cheater little things. You, know, you glue these little tabs in, and, and nothing's wrong with that. But the scroll would have been hard. Find this. So Jesus uh, unrose the scroll. He's in Isaiah, but Luke 4, 18. And Jesus reads publicly, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm sure every eye was watching him because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Notice this is his thing. This is what he's going to be doing. Preach the gospel. And notice who most of his audience was, the poor. Sometimes people look at our church and say, y'all sure got a lot of poor people coming. I'd rather have a full poor church than a scantily filled rich church. And poor or rich in faith, usually the rich or poor in faith, he said, God's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's one part of his ministry. He has sent me, look at this, to heal. Who? The brokenhearted. So not only did Jesus save and preach the gospel, but he healed what others never saw. He healed a heart that was broken. Someone looked at someone several years ago, and I heard them say it. They said, boy, that person's got a broken heart. Sometimes you can't see it. And if you've ever had one, you know when your heart's breaking. And Jesus said, oh, I've come to, to work on areas that no one else sees. Heal the brokenhearted. Then he says, to preach deliverance to the captives. Kind of sounds like addictions, huh? And recovering of sight to the blind. That's a physical miracle to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So a lot of things Jesus came to do there. If you'll divide it up in the Gospels, and I did this years ago, if you were to write down every time the word follow is used, that was Jesus' leadership. Anytime it said any taught them, anytime it said any healed, 
or he preached. You'll find four major areas of Jesus' ministry. Here they are. Leadership. Because people followed him. Tons and tons of people followed. Then his teaching, his preaching, about number four would be his healing. He did heal because he was compassionate, but he didn't come to heal. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's have a prayer. Father, bless this time we have in Jesus' name, amen. Now with that, just flip over a little bit further, uh, back to Exodus 7, if you would. Exodus 7, and we'll do all the notes tonight. We'll be out right on time. But Exodus 7, so is, is miracles and healing always of God? Well, you know, he couldn't have done a miracle if God wasn't in it. Well, let's see. Uh, Exodus chapter 7, Moses is in front of Pharaoh. You know the story. He tells Aaron, cast down that rod, and the rod turns into a what? Starts with a sir, serpent. It, it, it turns into a serpent. So Exodus seven twelve, uh, the Bible talks about uh, Pharaoh's wise men, verse 11. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Like manner meant Moses threw his down, it became a snake. So they threw theirs down, theirs became snakes. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So that must have been a strange thing. So Moses, look, God is in this. And this miracle happens. And then Pharaoh's unsaved magicians and uh, astrologers, they do the same miracle. So Satan is the great imitator. He can, he can try to imitate things. Just because it looks like someone did a miracle does not always mean it's from the Lord. Now, with that in mind, uh, I did give you several names if you want to look them up at some time. Catherine Kuhlman. She was a woman from the past. She was not even alive in most of your lifetimes. But uh, she was the most well-known woman, quote, evangelist in American history. Claimed to do miracles. Uh, sometimes you'll see her on YouTube and it looks like she's, she's in a trance and she's speaking in tongues and mumbling and, and uh, just, a, just a lot of strange uh, stuff. Claimed to heal people. Had great crusades. Very, very wealthy. Very wealthy financially. Then there was a guy by the name of Marjo Gartman. He was the youngest ordained preacher, quote, preacher in American history. He was age four when they ordained him. And uh, his daddy was a preacher. And so he just grew up in church. He was like a child prodigy. He did his first wedding when he was four. I think he did Tom Thumb. Uh, anyway, no, no, I don't know whose wedding he did, but uh, he did a wedding and somehow he could memorize sermons and he could work up a crowd and pretty soon boy preacher travels the country and, and, his, uh, and his parents just really squeezed this thing out. It's almost like the Michael Jackson thing where his dad said, I can make a lot of money off these kids. And so they figured they could make a lot of money off of Marjo. And that kid started holding crusades and, heal, quote, healing people. And it was all faked. It was all fake. It was all hype. And in Philadelphia, 500 people healed. And then in, uh, uh, over here. And, and back then, it was just, 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 you know, they'd hear it on the news and thousands would come. And uh, he had a little memorized sermons and he could preach. And so at, at about age 26, he said, all this stuff is fake. He said, I have faked all this stuff. And then he went into acting and he made movies. 
And he went in to do this and do that. And some of the strange things he ended up doing and way off the deep end. Because it wasn't real. Benny Hinn. Anybody ever seen Benny Hinn on television? Uh, Benny Hinn, of course, has made millions and millions and millions of dollars. He's an old man now. In fact, I think he's still alive. But if you've ever seen it, it it's really almost like a Johnny Carson show uh, from, from the day. It's, uh, uh, all right, there's a, there's, a, there's a woman with a skin condition up here. Bring her on down. And, ma'am, tell me about your illness here. And he, he just turns around, hears something, kind of blabbers something and speaking in tongues, zaps this one, and uh, Jesus loves you, and you're healed, and zaps and zaps. And there's always the two catchers there. There's always the two men in suits to catch them because he zaps this one and they fall down, lay them on the ground. Uh, this one gets zapped and sometimes their feet are still wiggling while they're laying on the ground. Soon the whole platform, I mean, people are all laying on the ground because he has healed them. Craziest thing you've ever seen. So we're going to talk about that just for just a little bit here. Comparing miracles. Let's look at this for a moment. And here's just a little chart. Jesus is healing compared to these, quote, faith healers healing. Jesus healed obvious diseases. Sometimes it would say, uh, how long you been blind? 37 years. Is this your parents? Is this your son? You've been blind 37 years? Sure have. It was documented. Faith healers, the healings sometimes are unseen. Look, oh, okay, let me just heal some guys just real quick. Uh, you guys on the front row, stand up just for a second, all right? Here, just stand up just for a second. Okay, Eli, come over here. Uh, brain tumor. A brain tumor in the head. Give Jesus a hand. You're healed. Go sit down. Oh, uh, kidney failure. You're healed. Go sit down. Oh, you've had asthma for years. You're healed in the name of Jesus. And uh, your face. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said it. Sit, sit down. Oh, uh, athlete's foot. You're healed. Hey, look. All that, no one, no one knows if any of that's real. So, as far as we know, these guys travel with him to every crusade. Okay, you're in the wheelchair this week. You're blind this week. You're the one that's got the broken arm this week. You're the guy that's got one leg a little bit shorter than the other one this week. You're the one that has palsy this week. And then we'll switch it up the next week. Many of those guys with Marjo, they just traveled with them. They were a part of the act. They were a part of the act because none of it was documented. Here's all these simple-minded people watching. It's all hyped up. Then the crusade leaves, and they all get back in their vehicles, go out to eat. They drive to the next one. Then they're all bandaged up for the next one. That's how that works. Or we'll give you two or three other conclusions. Number next. Documented previous illness, no verification. Number three, Jesus healed immediately. Some faith healers, it's got to take time. Throw away your crutches. You're healed. He fall down. <laughs> well, he'll be healed by the time he gets. It, it, it's this gradual thing. Next, Jesus never failed. Faith healers blame you didn't have enough faith. Well, I wonder how much faith Lazarus had. He was dead. <laughs> how about that boy in the, uh, in the word is B-I-E-R. We pronounce it beer. It's, it's like the casket. They're bringing him to bury him, and he was healed. Uh, how about the, 
the girl where Jesus said, Palamakumai, or uh, uh, damsel, I say, arise. She was dead. None of them had any faith. They were dead. So it had nothing to do with the person. It was always immediate. Jesus never failed. Next, no one doubted. When Jesus healed, no one said, come on, uh-uh, he wasn't really dead. They said, Lazarus stinks by this time. It's four days. We wrapped him up, no pulse. It was no maybe to it. No, you can explain it away. Faith healers, there's many doubts. Jesus, his finances were never questioned. Faith healers, their finances often are questioned with their Learjets. With Jesus, God got the glory. With faith healers, the faith healer usually gets the glory. Now, what is, what is wrong with this doctrine in the charismatic movement? Right under that, they believe healing is a part of salvation. And let's look over to the passage just for a moment. It's in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 which is the crucifixion chapter in the Old Testament. If you ever witness to a devout Jew that sincerely is wondering, where is Jesus? Is he the Messiah? Uh, we see this whole chapter deals with Jesus being bruised, crucified between two thieves and, and so forth. But Isaiah 53 in verse 5, here's where they say that salvation includes healing. 53.5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, they're talking about those stripes where they beat Jesus on the back. The entire chapter is talking about salvation. It is not talking any about physical healing. So the stripes, we were healed. It was as Jesus shed his blood, he was paying the price for our soul to be healed spiritually for all eternity. Had nothing to do with uh, 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 sickness. So let's keep going and we'll sew all this together. It is not God's will for all to be healed. And you'll hear that at a lot of those crusades. You don't need money, you just need faith. And, and, and uh, if you believe, uh, you receive, that's, that's not scriptural. It's not. And, and uh, we'll show you some verses on that. But notice in, um, uh, uh, where are we? Second Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. And some of this I know you've heard, but it's good to see where it is because uh, you'll be using it. Second Corinthians 12. So Corinthians written humanly by the apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul had several illnesses that we know of. Um, some Bible scholars believe that Paul was a dwarf. They actually thought he was, he, 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 was, he was a dwarf, born that way. Others believe he was a hunchback. I've only met two people in my whole life. One used to attend our church in Louisiana where the bone didn't fully de develop. He was, he, was hunched, he was a hunchback. Some people believe that was the Apostle Paul. Others believe he had an eye disease because in Corinth, he said, you would have gladly plucked out your eyes and given them to me. And then another time, he said, you see how large a letter I've written to you because of my eyes? 
So we don't know, but we know Paul had a major sickness and God never healed him. Here's a guy that could heal all these people. Couldn't he have just healed himself? So we see in 2 Corinthians, notice what Paul says in chapter uh, number, here it is, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, Paul said, I wrote a lot of the Bible, so I wouldn't be exalted. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God says, I'm not healing you. God says, I'll give you more grace. It'll keep you humble, Paul. It'll keep you out of trouble. Maybe sometimes that's what God does for us. Huh? If he healed us, he, he'd have a hard time reeling us back in. You look at people like a Fanny Crosby, blind. She said, I'd have never written 6,000 hymns if I had eyes. Joni Erickson Estrada, who broke her neck as a teenager, diving into the ocean, ended up painting with, the, with her teeth, became a motivational speaker around the world. She says, I'm paralyzed from my neck down. In her biography I read, she says, they're now wheeling me out. I am in Japan speaking to 25,000 young ladies. I would have never got to do this had I not been paralyzed. Amazing. So, so sometimes it is not God's will. Well, if you just had faith, God would heal you. No, that is not Bible. That is not Bible. Let's keep going here a little bit further. So sickness comes from, so where does physical sickness come from obviously it is a part of the curse there was never supposed to be sickness it came after adam and eve sinned and then the thorns started growing and the poisonous animals and then the carnivorous animals there were no animals eating animals for a long time even people weren't eating animals for a long time then all of a sudden the lion says you food and man it got real bloody and there was death and the, the food chain and all the rest and so let's see here. Uh, so where does sickness come from? Number one, comes from the devil. And we see in the book of Job, Job chapter two, verse seven, if you want to just jot it down, I'm going to read it quickly. Job two and verse number seven. Notice here, Satan, Satan shows up and he's, uh, uh, he's telling the Lord that uh, if, uh, if someone had all their blessings removed like Job, he would curse God to his face. God says, you can do anything but kill him. Job 2, verse 7. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot into his crown. So sometimes illness is a direct attack from Satan himself. From Satan himself. I believe sometimes you can know by the timing. I wonder how many people we've lined up to come to church and it's, I mean, the, I mean, the sermon was just what they needed. The choir was what they needed. We had prayed for them. And one of their kids just got deathly sick coming out of the house. Family couldn't come. Satanic. Maybe you've been out soul winning before. I remember years ago, my wife was out soul winning. Uh, Wilkins' apartment. And she had just started to witness to someone. And man, she got deathly sick. Sat on the ground, started throwing. I mean, it just hit her like that. 
sometimes it's, it's just satanic. And then let's see a little bit further here. Sometimes, number two, it's for taking the Lord's Supper when we're not right. And we see in 1 Corinthians 11, we don't, we don't bring this up all the time, but it's in the scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, and it's the passage about the Lord's Supper. And he says in 1 Corinthians 11, in verse number 30, verse number 29, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, that means we have known sin in our life, but we take the Lord's Supper anyway. We're not going to confess it. We're not going to make it right. So it's just a ritual. Give me the bread. Give me the drink. I don't care what anybody thinks. And, and, and this isn't a big deal to me. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. Look what Paul said. In many sleep, many are dead. So Paul said the Lord's Supper is a serious thing. Take it serious. So some people are sick because of the devil, just direct attack. Some, the Lord's Supper, and then sometimes it's self-induced. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Look down, please, in verse 19 and 20. Sometimes we abuse our own body. Either not getting proper rest, not eating properly, not eating nutritionally, uh, never exercising. And uh, sometimes we can say, I'm going through a trial, but sometimes it is self-induced, pouring poisons into it. First Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know you not that your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. For you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I heard one preacher say one time, you only get one earth suit. And when you wear it out, you go to heaven. We don't want to go to heaven at age 80 if we're supposed to go to heaven at age 90. We don't want to go at 30 if we're supposed to go at 50. And there's some things we can do to try to extend that life. I'm not uh, a Jack LaLanne, so I'm not talking about that tonight. But that scripture. And then here's another one. Why are we sick sometimes? Sometimes it's for God's glory. Look over here in John 11. John 11, years ago, I did a funeral here at the church, and this was the text. This was the text. It was Mrs. Johnston's son, Ron. Ron had a very rare disease called Neiman Pick disease. I've never heard of it before or since. He ended up, ended up in a wheelchair, passed away. I was there when he passed. John 11, verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. Sometimes God allows a sickness in our life that may be the rest of our life. You say, why would he do that? For his glory. For his glory. We see a little bit further in John chapter number 9. Backing up to John chapter number 9, that was talking about Lazarus. Now in John 9, there's a blind man. And look down, please, in verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So sometimes God says, 
I'll get more glory if I send you through this. Now, it may be a lifetime. It could be a season. Here's my wife was in the hospital those 80 days. I know the Lord got glory through that. I had someone text me this week. How in the world did you guys get through this? We've just been through this six weeks. So that's why God allows people to go through things. And then we see just a little bit further. So when you get sick, what are you supposed to do? Well, number one, whine. As much as you can't whine, moan loudly, groan. Tell as many people as you can. No, I'm just kidding. When sick, several things. And this is the top of the second column. When sick, examine yourself of any known sin. So it's kind of like this. And I'm not talking about, you know, you get the sniffles, pastor, can, can I be on the church prayer sheet? I mean, there's always someone that, I mean, you know, they stump their toe. It's, it needs to be on every prayer chain nationwide. I mean, put it on Fox News. And then there's others, they're almost dead. And they say, well, I don't want to bother anybody. Put it on the prayer sheet. So, you know, there's a balance. But somewhere along the line, we ought to get alone and just say, Lord, is there anything between you and me? First thing, I'm saying, you know, when it's pretty major or when we're real sick, Lord, is there anything between you and me? Anything you want to tell me? If you reveal it, I'm confessing it. That's the first thing we ought to do. Because sin oftentimes is related to sickness. Number two, confess any revealed sin. And by the way, let me back up and say this too. You're not the one to help someone figure out what their sin is and why they're sick. There's always someone, I know why you're sick. You're the prophet. There's probably some sin in your life. I could suggest which ones you're probably about. <laughs> Just, you know, leave. Hey, you figure out what's between you and the Lord, not what's between them and the Lord. Confess any revealed sin. Number three, call for godly leaders to anoint you with oil. I know that sounds kind of strange, sounds almost Pentecostal, but it's Bible. In the book of James, let's look over here. In the book of James, right after Hebrews, and you're doing great. Hang in there. We're doing real good. Uh, James chapter number 5. Here we are, James chapter 5. And notice, this is the mature book, James, uh, for the mature Christian. And notice what he says here. James chapter 5 and verse number 4. Uh, James 5 and verse number 14. Is any sick among you? Yep. Let him call for the elders of the church. That could be the pastor. That could be people older than you in the Lord. Some leaders, some people you respect. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, there's no magic oil. Uh, maybe some of these uh, uh, faith healers would sell you some for $100 for a bottle, and, and it's probably magic. And they probably have little uh, beans, too, magic beans, jack and the beanstalk. They could sell you some of those too. But the oil is just a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and uh, he's, he, he's called the oil of gladness. And the reason why the oil is a big deal is if someone just prayed for you, hey, let's have prayer. You may forget that within two or three years. Oh, yeah, somebody prayed for me. 
But when someone takes some oil out of a bottle and they put that on your head and several people pray out loud for you, that's, that's a pretty formal thing. You probably would never forget that. Uh, my wife, uh, years ago, we had uh, two girls and we wanted to have more kids and it just seemed like she wasn't going to have any more. And so we asked several of the key people in the church to come over to our house. And it wasn't any formal thing, wasn't in front of the whole church, but they took oil and anointed her and they each prayed for her. I think they put too much oil on her. She had three more. I mean, we're just, uh, anyway, but uh, then, then Jonathan got born. So there's no magic in the oil. It doesn't mean, well, if you do this, he'll always answer your prayer. No, but this is the, this is the order of events that we're supposed to do. Okay, so I'm in Israel. I bring a group of people there eight years ago, maybe, maybe three trips ago. And that's the uh, favorite story, the Jordan River water story. And so, you know, I'm the tour guide. So, so, so I get a free bottle of mineral water in my motel room. When, my, uh, when you're in Israel, everything's a souvenir. So my wife dumps out the mineral water, didn't tell me, and filled it up with Jordan River water. And boy, this would be a great souvenir. But she forgot to tell me, you know, Jordan River water is now in our bottle of water. I get up in the middle of the night and guzzle some of it down. Next morning, I've got like 105 fever and I've got chills all over because that water was taken from where Naaman had leprosy and, and, and dunked seven times right there. I mean, it's, it was as nasty as Napa River water. I was so sick. And the next day was a tour. I missed the whole day. I had fever. I had chills. I caught, we had two or three pastors, two or three uh, good godly men in the church. I called them to come to my room. I said, would you put some oil on me, put your hands on me, and pray for me? I called them. I didn't go looking. Uh, uh, they didn't come looking for me. I called them. I asked. And I felt good the next morning. It's just the order of events. Now, again, if I had the sniffles, I wouldn't have done that. I mean, I thought, I mean, I was deathly sick. I mean, I was real sick. So just a thought there. Pat's the pirate. God never healed him cancer in the eye. God didn't heal that eye. God didn't give him another eye. Sometimes God just gives grace. Some of you've had injuries where it's chronic pain. You've tried everything you can. You've, you've been anointed with oil. You've, you've, you've prayed. You've confessed. You've asked God what to do. Sometimes he just gives you grace and it's going to keep you humble the rest of your life. Sometimes that's what he does. Let's see a little bit further. Then, so first, Examine yourself. Any known sin? Second, confess any revealed sin. Number three, get anointed with oil. Number four, seek the advice from physicians. Notice the order. Not physicians first. Physicians last. Look over here in Second Chronicles. This is a great verse. Second Chronicles. We see, I think this is in the life of Hezekiah. But Second Chronicles and chapter 16 Second Chronicles 16 in the Old Testament. And you'll probably want to circle this. Second Chronicles 16 and verse number 12. And look at this. What a, what, a, what a very strange verse. Oh, it's King Asa. That's what it is. Second Chronicles 16, 12. And Asa 
in the 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet. Now, I can only think of two diseases in the feet. Anybody want to help me over here? A foot disease. Somebody help me. What is it? Athlete's feet. Now, that's, boy, that's the hardest one. Oh, that's the hardest one. And then maybe, maybe neuropathy. That's what I'm thinking. You know, okay, yeah, gout as well. Okay, so three major diseases. All very painful. Um, I've had two of those. And so I can tell you what's two, none of your business. But so here's Asa. It says in the 39th year, he was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. So it got worse, worse, worse. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord. He never asked God to help him. Look at the rest of the verse. But to the physicians. So King Asa, all he did was go to doctors. He never stopped to see if it may have been a spiritual thing or something God was teaching him. He just put all his confidence in the doctors. And he didn't do it scripturally. That's kind of interesting. And later on in another passage, and it says, and he died. Man, I'd hate that on my tombstone. Died from athlete's feet. <laughs> Wouldn't ask God to help him or something. It's kind of interesting. So here it is. In the Bible days, God often healed because of a godly person's prayer. And there's the scriptures there. You can look at it later. Abimelech, the whole town, the women cannot bear children. God is judging them. Moses prays for them. God opens the wombs and all these women start having children. Miriam, you remember? Miriam criticized her brother. Leprosy came on her hands. Moses prayed for her, asked God to heal her, and God healed her. And then we see Paul, and this is a great uh, thing in Acts chapter 19. Let's just look over here. Uh, we're getting real close to the end, real close. Acts chapter 19, and we see uh, in verse number 11. So Paul did some special miracles as well. So 19, 11, and it says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. And this is strange. This is only mentioned one time. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And diseases departed from them. And evil spirits went out of them. So today, some of these faith healers, you can pay $19.95. Extra uh, money for uh, expedient shipping. And we will ship you a apron or a, uh, or a handkerchief from the faith healer. Put it over what part of your body is ill and we promise you'll be healed if you have enough faith. And so they're making all kind of money on these sort of things. But this was something that God used Paul to do here. Then we see in Mark, just for a second, Mark chapter 16. Uh, Mark 16, we see toward the end how that God would use these miracles. And we're just about there. I know we're out of time. I know we are. Uh, Mark chapter 16 in verse number 17. And this is the last part of the gospel of Mark. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And all this was fulfilled with the apostles. They shall take up serpents. This happened one time that we know of in scripture. 
uh, and that was in Acts chapter uh, 28. Uh, Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Miletus. He is putting firewood on the fire. You know the story. Serpent came out of the heat, bit him. He just shook the snake off into the fire, and it didn't bother him. That was a miracle. It's a poisonous snake. Guess what? There's churches in the deep south that bring snakes to church now because of that verse. They bring snakes to the church house. You can look it up. They call them snake handlers. And in the middle of church, they'll take a box out and they'll take out a rattlesnake or they'll take out a cobra. They'll pass it around. If you're right with the Lord, you'll be safe. He won't bite you. And every year people get bit and die in church. They're handling snakes because of one obscure verse. Rusty, bring the snakes out. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, we don't have us. Maybe I could have thrown a rubber one and had all these people scream. That is not scriptural. They're taking that out of context. So where do these healings come from, Pastor? In the notes, it can be psychosomatic. It can be worked up, worked up, worked up, worked up. Benny Hinn is here. Catherine Kuhlman's here. Get the music playing. Get it going. If you've got faith, uh, have her come down here. And for a few moments, all of the adrenaline can, can, can hype some things up, maybe give them some temporary energy. Some could be psychosomatic, but it's not going to last. Much of it is staged. It is staged. It's acted out. And then sometimes it's just denied demonic it's demonic uh there was a person i was reading about recently and they said okay i'm going to travel the world all these self-proclaimed faith healers that claim to heal i'm going to every crusade i'm going to see if i can verify one real healing that they did came back none none not not one not one so do not feel intimidated if you cannot heal. The Bible says Jesus gave that power to the apostles, not to you and me. Now, I believe people get healed emotionally in church. I believe anytime someone gets saved by his stripes, they are healed. Their soul and spirit is healed, and there's some mending going on, and God is changing a life there. But what good does it do to heal the physical body if they never get eternal life? And if someone really had the power to heal, wouldn't they go to the cancer clinic and just wipe out that clinic? Wouldn't they go to the AIDS ward and heal everybody there? Wouldn't they go to cemetery and just raise everybody out of the cemetery? Wouldn't they go to clinical lay and just heal everybody in the waiting room? Uh, no, you've got to come to the crusade to get healed. You see, Jesus oftentimes went to them. Uh, there's a reference there. You can look at it later. The Antichrist will do miracles. It's a lot of faked miracles. The man in hell said, if you'll send Lazarus back from the dead, they'll believe. He said, if they didn't believe Moses when he was alive, they're not going to believe if someone came back from the dead. And so why did God use these miracles? Two things, verify the message and verify the messenger. So you'll see as the New Testament was finally completed and put together, you see Paul and Simon Peter doing less and less miracles. And once that Bible was completed, you didn't see a lot of that anymore. Can God work miracles? Oh, yes. 
Can he heal? Yes. If he does, he gets the glory. And so let's take care of our bodies the best we can. Pray for people that are hurting. But let's try to get them to live in a city one day where there is no illness. Uh, Saturday, soul winning. Passing out tracks this week. You'll be glad.